Good morning, everyone. Okay, really good to see you guys. Uh, and why don't you help me by lightening the atmosphere by turning around and say, you look so nice today. <laughs> Can I have my slide? My, yep, okay, thanks. Okay, this morning I am given a very tough uh, topic, Numbers 19. Some of you probably have read about it and say, Pastor, what's there to talk about in Numbers 19? Well, I think the word of the Lord is living and surely there's something for us to learn this morning. So this morning, we continue with our series from the book of Numbers, Numbers 19. And today from Numbers 19, we will examine the sacrifice of the red heifer together. But let me just give all of us the context uh, to this chapter on why this sacrifice is necessary, why this sacrifice is provided here. So at least when we understand this context, we will say, ah, now I know why is this in Numbers chapter 19. So recall with me some of the incident that you have uh, read in Numbers. Numbers 14, we have this incident whereby the people rebel against God, refuse to enter into the promised land. So what happened? God judged them and they say that they would die in the wilderness. The pronouncement is that their corpse, dead body, will fall in the wilderness. So you can refer to Numbers chapter 14, verse 26 to 33. Three times it is mentioned by the Lord that your corpse will be in the wilderness. You will not enter the promised land. So verse 29, verse 32, verse 33 in Numbers 14. So dead people, corpse. Then fast forward a little bit later in Numbers chapter 16. You will see also an incident whereby the children of Israel grumble against Moses and Aaron. And then God sent a plague on them and it was recorded in Numbers 16 verse uh, 49. Those who died by the plague were 14,700. Again, we see this picture of death. You know, corpses, dead people. So it is in this context of Numbers 19, whereby the people are surrounded by deaths, dead people, corpses, because of the judgment of God upon them. The judgment of God resulted in the death of the people. And whether they die at that time of the plague, uh, that time then, or later on, whereby, remember this, the context is this, 38 years they need to wander around the wilderness. So surely there will be people dying. Surely, maybe even every day there will be death. So they will be encountering death 
corpses will be everywhere in the wilderness. Before they enter the promised land, there will also be battles and wars, fightings that's going on, resulted in, resulting in death. So they will come in contact with death, dead bodies, corpses in the wilderness. And we know this, that anyone that is unclean because they touched the dead body resulted in them being unclean. They are not allowed to enter into the camp of God. They are not allowed to be in the presence of God. They need to be outside the camp lest they die in the wilderness. And some of the reference you can look at it is Numbers chapter 5 verse 2 to 3, Leviticus chapter 15, verse 31. So to, this is the context that there's death going around, surrounding them, and there's implication to that, that they will not be able to enter into the camp of God. They will not be able to enter into the presence of God. And in this context, God gave them this provision for them to re-enter in. So today, my outline is this, uh, I'm going to first talk about the reality of death, the cutting off from God's presence, taken from Numbers chapter 19, verse 11 to 22 first. Then I'm going to talk about the provision of life through the sacrifice of the red heifer from verse 1 to 10. And, and then we're going to refer to some of the texts to understand that actually this sacrifice of the red heifer is pointing to Jesus Christ. The red heifer is a type of Jesus Christ that is to come in the New Testament. So this is my outline. And we also want to understand that from this, that God has provided and given us provision pointing to Jesus Christ that we are allowed again to enter into the very presence of God. So this is the outline, and let me just go on to my first point, the reality of death, the cutting off from God's presence. Numbers chapter 19, verse 11. The one who touches the corpse of any person shall be unclean for seven days. That one shall purify himself from uncleanness with the water on the third day and on the seventh day, and then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he will not be clean. Anyone who touches a corpse, the body of a man who has died and does not purify himself, defiles the tabernacle of the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from Israel, because the water for impurity was not sprinkled on him. He shall be unclean. His uncleanness is still on him. It's talking about the ashes of the red heifer mixed with water, the water of impurity. Let's continue. Verse 14. This is the law when a man dies in a tent, and everyone who comes into the tent and everyone who is in the tent shall be unclean for seven days. Every open vessel which has no covering tied down on it shall be unclean. Also, anyone who is in the open field touches one who has been slain with the sword or has died naturally or a human bone or a grave shall be unclean for seven days. Then for the unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the burnt purification from sin and flowing water shall be added to them in a vessel. 
A clean person shall take his soap and dip it in the water and sprinkle it on the tent and on all the furnishing and on the persons who were there. And the one who touches the bone and the one slain or the one dying naturally or the grave. Then the clean person shall sprinkle on the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day he shall purify him from uncleanness. And he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and shall be clean by evening. But the man who is unclean and does not purify himself from uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from the midst of the assembly because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water for impurity has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. So it shall be a perpetual stature for them. He who sprinkled the water for impurity shall wash his clothes, and he who touches the water for impurity shall be unclean until evening. Furthermore, anything that the person touches shall be unclean, and the person who touches it shall be unclean until evening. As mentioned earlier, when one is unclean, one will not be able to enter into the presence of God. He needs to be outside the camp lest he die in his uncleanness. And that's taken from Numbers chapter 5, verse 2 to 3, as mentioned earlier, and Leviticus chapter 15, verse 31. You see, here, the instruction in Numbers 19 is more than a a richer kind of cleansing for the unclean person. It is about them not being cut off from the presence of God because touching the dead bodies, I mean, they are surrounded by corpses in that sense. Touching dead bodies or if it happens that someone dies in the camp, they are unclean, that uncleanness actually cuts them away from the presence of God. So here in Numbers 19, the book is, the Numbers 19 is actually a provision given to the people, the people of God that they can re-enter into His presence. Why is it so? Because uncleanness here, as what we have read in Numbers again and again, versus a holy God will result in death. As in the, num- as in the book of Numbers, we see that God is in the camp of the people. God is in the middle. God is in the center. And there shall not be uncleanness that defile the sanctuary or even the camp of the Lord. So you you get the idea. God is a living God, holy God, living in the midst of the people who will sin, who will become defiled. And that source, one source of uncleanness actually comes from contacting the dead person. Just imagine this. If you are living at that time, I mean, your family member is dead, you will come into contact with the dead body and you will be unclean. So this is a provision given to them so that they can re-enter into His presence. Because once you are unclean, you need to be outside the camp. Once you are unclean, you need to be outside the camp. You are, quote-unquote, cut off from His presence. Therefore, the provision is given for cleansing later on as we explore point number two. 
but we should also take note of this. While this provision is given to them, any deliberate act of not wanting to be cleansed, any deliberate act not wanting to be purified has terrible consequences. As what we have read uh, in verse 13 and verse 20, they will be cut off from the midst of the assembly. And while this cutting off may seem like it is, a, it is a separation from the physical camp, but it also can mean uh, that they are cut off by death, by physical death. So this is of serious consequences. Therefore, in point one, we are talking about this reality of death, the cutting off from God's present. As I thought about this point, right, there's some reflection that I, I have here. Reflection that I want to encourage you to have too, that first of all, the reality of death and the implication on us, not just on them, but also on us. You see, the reality of death, the reality of sin even, and its implication has some uh, implication effects on us, on us. Just imagine this, and often I, I want to just say this also. Often, when we come to this idea of death, uh, there is this idea of uncleanness, of sin, of the cutting off from God's presence. To this few uh, item, death, uncleanness, sin, cutting off from God's presence. Many a time in the Bible, when you read it. They are all interlinked together. And here, Numbers 19 make a point for us to note that uncleanness from contacting a dead person will result in death, the cutting off from God who is the source of life. So this reflection to me actually keeps me humble and wanting to rely on God always unless God provide a way for us. Unless God provide a way for the children of Israel to re-enter into the camp, I mean, they are in deep trouble. They will be totally cut off. So, likewise, unless God has provided a way for us to come back to Him, we will be dead. We will be in deep trouble. So, thanks be to God that God has provided a way for us through Jesus Christ that we can once again re-enter into His presence, that by the sacrifice of Jesus, we can be saved and experience life, not being cut off from God's presence. So today, I want to remind and encourage all of us that we need to be grateful. We need to be humble before God. We need to be thankful. We need to rely on God always because the reminder is this, death will come. We die also because of our sin. Death is real and inevitable. Every one of us will go through it or at least will encounter it once. And the implication of death, if I may elaborate, is about, one implication of death is about the cutting off of physical communication. Just imagine this. In the, in the physical, when we die, literally we are cut off 
from our loved one. No more physical communication, no more physical touch, no more physical exchange. It's the cutting off because there's a separation of the realm of life and death. And this cutting off from, of both parties, the dead and the living, is not a good thing. I mean, it can be punishing. It can be unbearable to many of us because we cannot communicate with our loved ones anymore. But the good news is really this. As believers this morning, I want to encourage all of us again. When Jesus Christ comes back the second time, you know, those who are dead in Christ will be resurrected to life and there will be a great reunion. This is the thing that we hold on to that we will not be cut off from the presence of God anymore. This we ought to give thanks. But this truth also reminds us on this part about reaching out to the lost who are cut off too. They are cut off from the presence of God. What are we going to do about it? I want to encourage all of us, reach out to them, lest when the day comes, that they are cut off from the presence of God eternally. So may this truth, this reality, you know, challenge us to want to reach out. May this truth and of this reality of death, the cutting off from God's presence and His goodness, remind us also that we ought to repent. Because some of us, maybe we are outside the camp. And this today, God's invitation is for you to come in by the sacrifice of Jesus. Indeed, as I reflect on this, uh, it is so true that um, the provision given by God reflects His character, that He is the God, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in lovely kindness and truth. If it is not for God's goodness. He would not have provided a way for the people to enter in. He would not provide a way for us to enter, re-enter into His presence. And how God demonstrated it is through the provision of the red heifer. So let's take a look at this. The provision of life given through this sacrifice of this red animal. Numbers chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the stature of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the son of Israel, and they bring you an unblemished red heifer in which is no defect, and on which a yoke has never been placed. You shall give it to Eliezer the priest, and it shall be brought outside the camp and be slaughtered in his presence. Next, Eliezer the priest shall take some of his blood with his finger and sprinkle some of his blood towards the front of the tent of meeting seven times. Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight, its height and its flesh and its blood with its refuse shall be burned. The priest shall take the cedar wood, his sword, 
scarlet material and cast it into the midst of the burning heifer. The priest shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterward come into the camp, but the priest shall be unclean until evening. The one who burns it shall also wash his clothes in water and bathe his body in water and shall be unclean until evening. Now a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them outside the camp in a clean place. And the congregation of the son of Israel shall keep it as water to remove impurity. It is purification from sin." The one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening, and it shall be a perpetual stature to the sons of Israel and to the aliens who sojourns among them. Let's explore some of the characteristics here of the, of the red heifer. It must be red, verse 2. It must be unblemished, no defect, and a yoke must never be placed on it, meaning to say that uh, it is not subjected to false work. Why do I mention this? Because later on, I'm going to point to Jesus. So just take note of this. And then it must be brought outside the camp and be slaughtered in the presence of the priest. Then Eliezer the priest shall take the blood with his finger and sprinkle it his blood towards the tent of the meeting seven times. Then this entire red heifer, this entire red heifer shall be burned with cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet material. And think about it, this is the only sacrifice that was burned with this material, uh, with hyssop, uh, cedar wood, and scarlet material together. The redness of this animal is actually a cow, a red heifer. The redness of the heifer, the red blood of the animal. See, I'm, I'm trying to remind you, the cedar wood itself is also red, reddish in color. Red again. The scarlet material is also red in color. You see, when, when the vision is given to the children of Israel, everything red is actually pointing out something. It's pointing out to blood in that sense. It signifies blood and also its powerful ability to draw out impurity from the realm of death and bring them to the realm of life from being cut off from the presence of God, bringing them to the camp, from being unclean to become clean. Let me just explain a little bit here. In biblical understanding, blood is connected with life and death. The spilling of blood signifies and is a sign of death. You die. But blood is also the carrier of life. You need blood to continue living as what we have seen in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 and uh, 14. I'm not going to go into this, but the life of the flesh is in the blood. So think about it. Blood is associated with both death and life. And here in the sacrifice of the red heifer, red animal, red blood, Cedar wood, red, scarlet material, red, everything thrown inside, burn. Probably the ashes that comes out later on mixed with water will also be reddish in color. Blood that brings life. Blood that can purify 
death, uncleanness, and bring them to life. So take note of this. The red heifer, the characteristic is this. And then the ashes is also collected later on, verse 17. Store outside the camp in a clean place. And for purification to take place, the ashes must be mixed with water and then using hazard and sprinkled on the people, uh, using certain ritual, they will be considered clean. I want to make a point here. The red heifer is actually a costly, valuable sacrifice because of its characteristic red color, unblemished, unyoked before. So this sacrifice being uncommon is expensive, valuable, significant, precious, just like our Lord Jesus. So this is the characteristic of the heifer. And let's take a look also on the effect that this provision will bring. When the ash of the red heifer is mixed with the flowing water, it provides cleansing. Look at verse 17 to 19, and you will realize that when certain stipulated way is being uh, done for that cleansing, that unclean person will become clean. The impure will become pure again when the ashes of the red heifer mixed with water is being administered to that unclean person. I want to make this point here. I'm not sure whether in your reading you have made this observation. In addition, we should also note here that the red heifer provides ongoing assurance to them. It, I use the word ongoing assurance. Let me elaborate. Ongoing assurance for the people of Israel that they will be cleansed when they are unclean. Why is it so? Remember this, the ashes, the ashes were stored somewhere in a clean place outside the camp, ready to be mixed with water. So the, so the provision is already somewhere outside, ongoing. So whenever there's someone that is unclean from touching the dead corpse or unclean because of whatever reason, what they can do is this. They can go and take the ashes that is already available, mixed with flowing water and perform the ritual to cleanse that person. So it is an ongoing assurance. They don't need to bring a dead animal to the sanctuary and do the sacrifice as an offering. They just need to go and get the ashes that is already there mixed with water for that purification. So it is an ongoing assurance. It is a reminder to the children of Israel that when you come in contact with the unclean, uh, the, the dead, when you are unclean, there are provision already given to you outside the camp. The sacrifice of the red heifer had already taken place and they just need to apply the ashes and the water for that purification. That's the effect of this sacrifice, the provision given to the people. But take note 
of this also. In your observation, you may also realize the person, the clean person, the clean administer who performed this ritual to the unclean person, the reverse take place. They become unclean. Realize this clean person take the head soap, uh, perform the ritual. They themselves become unclean when the other party become clean. The pure becomes impure because of the richer. Verse 21 reads this, So this shall be a perpetual stature that he who sprinkles the water for impurity shall wash his clothes and he who touches the water for impurity shall be unclean until evening. Why is it so? Probably because uh, the, the, the solution is associated with blood death, so it makes them unclean. That, that's one of the explanations. But anyway, just take note of this. The pure, clean person then reverse that status, become unpure, un impure, and unclean. Take note also of this. This is in, uh, interesting observation that you need to uh, take note of, that this purification ritual does not necessary uh, need the priest is not the only person that performed this ritual i mean this ritual is available for all in the community all that is clean all that is able to touch uh, use the hyssop and do the purification all in the community can actually quote unquote cleanse someone that is unclean it is a community thing, not necessary for the priest. So this is some observation that you may want to take note. That's the effect from this sacrifice of the red heifer. So with this, right, I did some reflection and I want to share with you. And I want to encourage you to do that also. That, first, the life from God through the provision speaks of the accessibility to come back to God. The accessibility to cleansing, to healing, to restoration because the ashes is provided there already. After the sacrifice, the ashes is collected, stored in a clean place outside the camp. It is readily available for anyone that is unclean, anyone that's outside the camp to come back to God. The life of God is accessible to those that is unclean. It also talks about this, the life from the community through the support given should restore all of us to God's family. So as what I mentioned earlier, the ritual need not be performed by the priest. Everyone in the community can do it. So it talks about community, and I want to challenge all of us uh, in reflecting on this point, that life from the community is important. The support given, the restoration in the family of God is needed, even in our midst. So imagine this. When Numbers 19 happened in that context, 
they help each other. How much more should we do that? In Numbers 19, life of God is given for them to re-enter in. How much more in our context? Let's provide life. Let's receive life and let's provide life for one another. Another point for us to note is this, it actually takes faith to believe and obey in the Word of God. Why do I put this in a bullet point? Because some of us may ask this, hey, pastor, how did the unclean become cleaner? How does this work? You know, some of us ask this question. I myself ask this question. Hey, how, how did it happen? Is there some molecules and some, something happened in the soil? How does this happen? Why is it the red heifer ashes can be used later on and still provide the cleansing? How does it mean? It's a mystery. How can it still be effective? I have to say this. I don't know. Turn to your neighbor and say, he don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. I don't know the details. But I can say this, it takes faith to believe and act upon what God says. And of course, at that time, it was verified when they entered into the camp. Imagine this, after the cleansing ritual, and if they enter into the camp and they are not struck dead, means it is verified. So for us in our context, after applying, appropriating the sacrifice of Jesus, what we are looking for to verify is actually a transformed life to show that it really works. So I want to challenge all of us. I don't know. I don't know the details, but I want to encourage all of us to have faith to believe what the Word of God says and act upon it, and then you will see that effect. Let me just go on to my final point in conclusion. All this that we are looking at today points to Jesus. As we look at this unique sacrifice of the red heifer, its effect, its ashes, is to be mixed with water. It makes the, uh, the clean and minister unclean. It makes the unclean clean it all points to the provision of the ultimate sacrifice, the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The provision of the red heifer allows the unclean to be clean so that they can be in the presence of God. It reminds us that sin cuts us off from the presence of God. Yet because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we can now come to, Je come to God. And the death of Jesus provides us this ongoing assurance that we can always come to God. Look at Hebrews chapter uh, 9, verse 13 to 14. Let's explore some scripture here. It reads this, If the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer, the red heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offer Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Here it refers again to the red heifer, the mixture of the red heifer and the water that functions like blood, cleanse 
the defiled. And the author of Hebrews say, how much more if we compare to this sacrifice that Jesus sacrificed a grander, a better, a once-for-all ultimate effect that will be given to us, cleanse us, purify us, and allow us to come to the presence of God. And just as the ashes of the red heifer is stored for purification pertaining to the future, when someone needs the ritual cleansing, the same picture we can see here of Jesus Christ sacrificed more than 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, His sacrifice is still available for us now just like the red heifer's ashes stored somewhere readily available for the unclean person. So think about it. Jesus sacrificed 2,000 years ago is also available for us. His death and His sacrifice has that effect to that point of time until now when we appropriate it and apply it. How much more the blood of Jesus who has cleansed us and purified us. When we look at other details like this also, the red heifer must be killed outside the camp. We know that Jesus Christ was killed outside of Jerusalem, the holy city of God. The red heifer has no yoke that is placed upon it. In verse 2, Numbers 19, verse 2, we know that Jesus is not restrained or forced to work. He submit to God willingly. He gave up His life willingly for us. We know that the effect of the red heifer sacrifice is such that the, the clean person will become unclean. The pure person administering that uh, ritual will become impure. It also speaks of Jesus Christ. Why is it so? In 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be seen on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, there is clean, pure, take upon himself that impurity when he administer cleansing to us. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice brothers and sisters and in summary jesus sacrifice is the ultimate sacrifice once for all for as many as receive him it covers time space dimension it provides healing forgiveness restoration to all who repent turn away from their sin and acknowledge Him as Saviour. When people in the past appropriate the provision that Jesus' sacrifice provides, they receive healing, they receive cleansing, they receive restoration, they receive the promise of life because God is the giver of life. Now, also in our scenario, when people in our time appropriate the same provision that Jesus Christ has provided for us, we receive healing. We receive cleansing from our sin. We receive restoration. We receive the promise of life in a, 
life abundance as what Jesus promised when we appropriate his sacrifice. We are brought back to the camp, the very presence of God. And should we not today, after hearing this message, understanding the chapter, knowing that the red heifer points to Jesus, should we not be so grateful to God and say, thank you, Jesus, that today I can appropriate your sacrifice. I can be brought back to the camp if I repent. I can come back to receive healing. I can come back to receive the life that you have promised us. And I want to make this appeal. Some of us sitting here, some of us listening online, maybe outside the camp. I don't know. You may be outside the camp and today is the day that you come back and say, Lord, I repent. I'm appropriating your goodness. I'm coming back to you. Forgive me of my sin and be brought back. Come back to this camp the camp of God, the presence of God. So respond. I want to invite the worship team to come up right now. And I want to just read some scripture in conclusion that so appropriately tie to this sacrifice of Jesus, the goodness of God for us. John chapter 3, verse 16 to 17 familiar passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He has given his Son to us. God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. One more scripture and I'll pass the time to the worship team. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 to 11. God demonstrates His own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners outside the camp, away from the presence of God, Christ died for us. How much more, having been justified by His blood, shall we be saved from the wrath of God through Him? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also exhort in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received that reconciliation. May the Lord bless the word.